0: Being in church with all of you. We're in the middle of our series focused on peace and looking at various people around the world that have worked to create shalom in their own neighborhoods. And last Sunday in meeting, Brittany Briner reminded us of a story where someone asks Mother Teresa if they too can come serve in Calcutta. And her exact response, it's a famous quote, is this, stay where you are, find your own Calcutta. Find the sick, the suffering, and the lonely right where you are. In your own homes and in your own families, in homes and in your workplaces and in your schools, you will find Calcutta all over the world if you have eyes to see Everywhere, wherever you go, you find people who are unwanted, unloved, uncared for, just rejected by society, completely forgotten, completely left alone. And this, friends, is a perfect segue into talking about the person we're learning today and one of my teachers, Elizabeth Fry. So Elizabeth Fry, born Gurney, she's from the Gurney, it's the Gurney family. She was alive from 1780 to 1845. And she was alive during the quietest period, which is this time in the in the Quaker history that friends moved away from kind of open confrontation, a lot of, you know, they were they were so active in the beginning and really um, public, and then they have this this period of kind of turning more inward and focusing on the spirit and um, focusing on, on the quiet and the still. And that lasted for quite a while. And Elizabeth Fry is during this time period. And she came from a family that was pretty well off. Like, um, her parents are these bankers. Her her one parent is from Gurney Bank, so her dad, and her mom was from the Barclay Bank, like the actual Barclays that own the bank. So high high society and that meant she took she partook of all high society including the parties and the dancing and the playing you know that was her life she was one of 11 children and her mom encouraged all the kids to keep journals and elizabeth did and we're so very grateful because we have her writings and it's from these journals that we learn that elizabeth was afraid of a great many things. So many things, from the dark, the sea, bathing. And she conjured up many disasters in her own mind. And this plagued her. She carried around a lot of anxiety with her, struggling with stomach upsets and fainting spells her entire life. Elizabeth's mom died when she was 12, And Elizabeth being one of the oldest children was then, uh, that then meant that she was helping to raise her siblings. Caring for them, helping educate them and nurturing them. At the age of 18, Elizabeth had her moment of convincement, becoming a friend in her own mind and heart, which she describes as feeling a refreshing shower Falling upon the earth that had been dried up for ages. I have felt ever since humble. Elizabeth marries and has eleven children of her own. And at the age at the age of 29, after she has eleven children. Yeah, I'm not joking. <laughs> None of them were twins either. Um, she writes of this is how she writes about a moment in, in worship where she's feeling led to speak. She said, she writes of her mouth being opened in meeting. Like, almost like it was out of her control, her mouth was opened. And what I, one of the things I love about Elizabeth and why I feel like she's one of my teachers as well is that uh, she's faithful to the Holy Spirit despite feeling insecure and unsure of herself. There's this sense in her testimony and writings that she is obedient to God because she, deci- she desires so wholly, so fully, to be a child of God. And all of the amazing work that she does, and I'll share a little bit more about what she does, is almost as, as if she's just as surprised as everybody else at what God is doing through her. Two years after that moment in meeting, she is recorded as a friend's minister and she writes, it is cause of humble gratitude to believe my little offerings in the ministry have not burdened, but have been acceptable to the church. I just get this picture of this humble, um, almost meek woman in the way that she writes. Two years later. Elizabeth Fry goes to the Newgate prison to visit the women prisoners there. She lives in London, the prison's in London. I don't know how far down the road it was, but it's in her town, it's in her hometown. Newgate prison was in operation for over 700 years. It opened in 1188 and it was demolished in 1903. And you can imagine, In the late 1700s, after being open for 500 years, the state of affairs in this building. The conditions are deplorable. In fact, the first time she went, the guards tried to prevent her from entering, saying it's unsafe for her. And the women are like animals in there. She insists and enters the prison. And then Elizabeth talks about or writes about feeling compelled to help after visiting. In fact, it becomes like this compulsion in her that once she sees the condition, she cannot not act. And in some ways, the rest is history. Elizabeth takes the the one next right step. She continues to work for prison reform, first at Newgate, but then all over Britain. She creates a homeless shelter, which is the model for several other shelters in Britain. She opens a training school for nurses, which inspires Florence Nightingale to do her work. She was instrumental in the 1823 Gales Act, which mandated sex segregation of, prisoner, of prisons and female orders for female inmates to protect them from sexual exploitation. And she began the British Ladies Society for Promoting the Reformation of Female Prisoners. I don't know why Quakers have to have such long titles. <laughs> but that was probably the first national British women's society. Her testimony is, is, is a story of how God uses anyone even you and me. God takes Elizabeth from being faithful to speak and meeting to step by step, leading her to provide for prisoners, educating prisoners and their children, and eventually reforming the sanitation, education, and entire prison structure in Britain and other countries. Remember, this is the same woman that has fainting spells and um, nausea and anxiety, is afraid of bathing. And she does this while being mom to 11 children. She had to turn her back on the voices that directed her elsewhere and stay true to her calling. She struggled with societal expectations as a woman Yet decided to continue to continue to follow Christ, and eventually make this huge impact for the kingdom. And all she did this all by walking down the street and seeing the deplorable conditions in the prison in her own neighborhood. If Elizabeth needed reasons uh, to tell God that I cannot do this, she had so many. Even with the first step, God, how can I go visit the prison when I have 11 children that need my attention? Or God, the idea of this makes me so stressed and anxious. I'm sure what she experienced in those prisons was nothing like being raised in high society. And I wondered if her friends and family would accept her for spending her time and resources in that way, I wonder if she got pushback from some of them. I'm reminded, friends, that the same God that speaks to that spoke to Elizabeth Fry is the same God that speaks to you and me. That same God that tells us go pick up some laundry and wash it and fold it. Our call, friends, is to be obedient and not doubt ourselves out of action. This is the same God that hung the stars in the sky, formed the earth out of nothing and created you and me. And as someone who also struggles with the anxiety, I can imagine it would have been much easier for Elizabeth to not get involved. I bet getting involved didn't lower her anxiety. In fact, just this week, this sermon that God laid on my heart spoke right back to me like a, like a, like a mirror. Melanie Mock and I uh, spoke at Rotary on Wednesday. We had already done the morning Rotary. This was the noon Rotary. There's two. So it's a totally different group of people. And when I'm going to present or be with a group of people, I don't know. I try to dress a little better present a little more professionally, maybe even put on some lipstick. So if I'm ever wearing lipstick, you could know that I was feeling pretty anxious that day. I'm not wearing it today. But I couldn't find it in the car. I'm like, where is it? And I'm digging, digging, digging. And and I was so frustrated. And it was like God said, if I'm behind this, why do you need lipstick? Like, come on. Um... God is bigger than my anxieties. And I was reminded that I can do these things that make me feel nervous and afraid because I am convinced that God is behind Peace Trail Village and our community desperately needs housing. So because of this, I put my brave pants on with or without lipstick and show up. And it does not lower my anxiety. When I was younger, I used to think that I needed to fix these things about me before I could serve God or work towards bringing the kingdom. I remember first reading about Moses and how much that story impacted my life. Because Moses has all these yeah buts for God. Yeah, but I can't speak very good. Yeah, but I don't do this very well. Yeah, but they're not going to listen. And I was like, oh my goodness. Those are some of the same things that I have said to God. And this is Moses. God used Moses and Elizabeth Fry right where they were. And maybe that means God can use me and use you right where we are. In fact, maybe God uses us because of our weaknesses, not in spite of them. We can see from Elizabeth's journals that she was plagued with doubt, fear, and insecurity the whole time. And that did not prevent God from working through her. In spite of her frailties, her anxieties, or whatever reasons we feel like we can't serve and tell God that we can't, time and time again throughout history, God has shown faithfulness to and through humans to lead and work and love. Through our trust in God to take that right next step. Probably Elizabeth, being a person of means and stature in the community, probably meant she had some leverage there as well. And it would be remiss to say that that probably, didn't, that probably lent her some leverage. Or as much leverage as they gave a woman in the 1800s. Maybe there is a reason that God chose her for this task in that time. And maybe there is a reason God chooses you or me with all of our own idiosyncrasies or presumed weaknesses even if all we see is the very next step our response friends is faithfulness to god so let's go into waiting worship together listening deeply to god and if god has something to to say to all of us through you please stand so a microphone can be brought i have a couple queries if they're helpful What is your or our next right step? What is part of you that you think prevents you from responding to God's prompt? Let's listen together.